This is Market Currents from Northern Trust, where we explore facts, patterns, and expert opinions to answer today's most difficult market questions. Welcome to Market Currents. I'm Katie Nixon, Chief Investment Officer for Wealth Management at Northern Trust. Today, we're answering some of the most pressing questions surrounding inflation, the response from global monetary policymakers, and the enormous and unpredictable global consequences of these actions. We hosted a webinar with clients on September 28th, where I was joined by Carl Tenenbaum, Northern Trust Chief Economist, Chris Shipley, our Chief Investment Strategist for North America, and Tim Johnson, Head of Portfolio Solutions for Global Fixed Income. This podcast has been edited from that event. Investors feel like they've been in a bit of a hurricane, financial hurricane this year. Uh, There's been little shelter in the financial markets, no place to hide, as they say, outside of cash. Nowhere really to avoid the downdrafts that we've seen across all asset classes. We have inflation that's stickier and more unpredictable. We have central banks that are much more hawkish than we thought, very focused on taming inflation. We have a global interest rate picture that is extremely volatile and on the rise, and that certainly bled through to equity markets, uh, predominantly, at least initially, through valuations, the price-to-earnings multiple, if you will, um, and they've had to adjust and reset downward. And I thought perhaps because things seem to be very much driven by central banks right now, um, the best place to start would be with our chief economist, Carl Tannenbaum. Carl, let me toss it to you um, for your thoughts on the global economy, on interest rates, on central banks. Um, We'd love to hear your perspective. Well, thanks, Katie. We have a a 100-meter dash going on amongst the world's central banks to try and get out in front of inflation that has raged since the pandemic. And as each central bank tries to get their nose out in front, it creates another opportunity for markets to become unsettled. Let me see if I can go over that landscape for everyone and give you our sense of where it is all going to shake out. I think uh, we've tried to communicate with all of you as to why inflation has gotten out of control and gone from uh, dormant to dominant. We overstimulated economies. We've had shocks related to supply chains, labor markets, and energy. And all of those are taking a little bit of time to unwind. The good news, everyone, is here in the United States, we have seen headline inflation begin to come down on a year-over-year basis. We're getting a clear relief from energy costs and food costs. But core rates of inflation are actually still uh, very high and moved up in the last releases. We're getting upward pressure from the costs of shelter after a mini housing bubble that is in, in the process of ending, but still creating upward pressure on inflation And then the wage uh, influence on service prices, Katie, is one that we're still watching very closely. With the outlook for inflation uncertain, the Federal Reserve has certainly made this a test of its resolve. They feel that long-term market economic and employment performance are not helped by inflation that is well above the target, which is where it is today. And twice in the last uh, several weeks, the chairman of the Federal Reserve has evoked the title of Paul Volcker's autobiography in describing his intention to keep at it, warning the markets that not only is the Fed going to continue raising rates until it starts seeing results, but it will keep them at high levels until the job is done. And that has resulted, as I'm sure uh, uh, Tim and, and Chris will discuss, in a market realignment that has been very, very important. I think inflation is certainly going to make uh, good progress on the way down over the next four quarters as I see supply chains healing, so the cost of goods acquired from overseas is going to moderate. 
I certainly expect that as the trends in the economy and also the markets uh, will go through corporate boardrooms, that decisions will be made about the number of open positions that are being recruited for and the headcount levels uh, that are already in place. I think we'll get uh, additional relief on some of the other areas of inflation. And so our forecast, which many of you see, has inflation on a year-over-year basis coming down to less than 3% over the next four quarters. Probably not quite uh, the victory that the Fed is seeking, but substantial progress. There is, of course, still a risk uh, that we'll have other shocks and that the Fed will have to go a little bit further. But I think they're, I take them at their word. We expect overnight interest rates to go up further to a peak of 4.5% by the end of the year. And I think the Fed will hold them there for a little while. Now, that obviously is going to have important impacts on economic activity. Uh, the housing market is a microcosm of those, Katie, as you know. I just got a bulletin that a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is now over 7% from a low of 25 and that has obviously taken a lot of the starch out of the buying mania that was present uh, in the spring. Housing is an important economic sector. For other sectors, however, uh, there were a lot of companies that put uh, got a lot of debt issued before uh, the, uh, the recession became a risk. We have household balance sheets that are in good shape. And so as the Fed tries to engineer moderation in financial conditions, they may have a little bit more work to do. And as they do that work, the possibility of having a recession in the United States certainly can't be ruled out. As you visit this morning, Katie, this is still not our base case. Uh, the American labor market is still very, very strong. And the early readings from manufacturing, the, the forward readings from manufacturing are still uh, looking pretty good. Uh, but, uh, you know, certainly we're seeing a deceleration and it's, uh, it's certainly possible that we'll have a recession. I know that uh, many of you are very concerned about that outcome, but I think the likelihood of having a severe recession is limited by the strength of balance sheets across the American economy, everybody. I mentioned before that corporations have a lot of cash and have termed out their debt, so they are less interest-sensitive households, uh, got the stimulus checks, and really have not had to use leverage in a way that we saw prior to the 2008 financial crisis, for example. And then banks, which had been avenues of contagion in past crises, are also well-capitalized and unlikely to form the string of dominoes that could cause something much more severe. Finally, I would note that uh, the U.S. is uh, the cleanest shirt in the laundry, as some would say. Our focus, uh, in part, in some of our discussions about investment strategy have been overseas, where you have the United Kingdom, which is in turmoil, and you have the euro area, which is struggling to get enough energy for the winter, and China, which is facing a long list of economic challenges that make it unlikely that it will sustain its uh, recent rate of economic growth. So global prospects are certainly something that we're, uh, we're questioning and, and are things that we'll have to watch. And the United States, while we have our challenges, is, is one of the better markets, I think, out there in terms of our, our resilience. So that's the view from here, Katie. I'll turn it back to you. Thanks, Carl. That sounds like a soft landing to me in the U.S., um, but you do reference that there are rising risks of recession abroad. Um, and central banks are very much on the watch, focused on inflation at the almost exclusion of some of the other weakening areas of the economy, perhaps intending actually to see more weakness across the labor market in particular. And Chris, my goodness, it's been a wild ride this year for equities around the world. Um, would love your perspective on what the fundamentals look like right now and what your forecast is. Sure. Thank you. And, and good morning, everyone. So I think you characterized it well at the 
the outset, Katie, by saying that these are challenging times in the capital markets with stocks down, bonds down. You're not getting that diversification benefit as the economic concerns that are hurting stocks aren't leading to lower yields as we would normally see because of inflation, something that investors haven't really had to consider for quite some time. So you're not getting that, that benefit of rates coming down for fixed income, which would normally be offsetting some of your equity declines. So as you know, again, the critical element in all of this, which Carl touched on, is inflation, as inflation is determining the path for the Fed and therefore interest rates. And the path of interest rates is determining the path for the economy. And the path for the economy is determining the outlook for corporate profits and equity market sentiment, which is why the last CPI print, I think, was so disappointing is it represented a fairly notable setback in the market narrative that the building off of the June lows about inflation coming down and the Fed being potentially close to done as well well as better odds of avoiding recession. So after rebounding nicely off of those June lows, we now find ourselves back at those levels or actually slightly below that as of yesterday, which given the unfolding of events is not entirely surprising. Clearly the market's view that the Fed was close to done was premature. In fact, Fed funds futures are now pricing in a terminal or peak rate for the Fed that is a full 1% higher than we were when we were at those June lows for equities. And of course, the intent of interest rates at that level, of course, is to cool the economy in order to bring inflation under control. So in other words, the persistence of inflation that's now deemed to be necessary is going to bring down uh, the outlook for growth even more. And again, Carl talked about this, but we essentially have a, a single mandate now for the Fed. In fact, you could argue that the other part of the dual mandate, maximum employment, is in direct conflict with bringing down inflation. So the Fed will need to do more that will put downward pressure on the economy and by extension corporate profits. In addition to the short end of the curve being significantly higher than those June lows for equities, the long end of the curve is also materially higher, some 50 basis points or half a percent higher on the 10-year, which, as was noted, has pushed mortgage rates to 7% versus you know, sub 3% a year ago, which has essentially doubled the monthly payment on the same house versus a year ago, which has brought the housing market to a near standstill, which is a pretty significant economic multiplier for the economy. Now, our house view is that the economy will disappoint to the downside, but we do think that the consensus earnings expectations for companies around the world are too high and our estimates are below that. It's hard to say whether a year from now the economy will be looking at growth that is slightly positive or flat or slightly negative. Thanks, Chris. That is great context. First, we have the valuation reset. Then we see the slower growth getting pulled through. And then markets adjust to that and set a, set a foundation. At the center of everything, though, is really the Fed and central banks. And they have injected so much uncertainty into all markets. And so I think maybe we'll pull in our third distinguished panelist, Tim Johnson, who is our head of portfolio solutions for global fixed income. And Tim, I guess what's, what's con confusing people is central banks usually come in and calm markets down. Whereas in this, this period of time, they seem to be injecting more uncertainty and more volatility. So please let, help us work our way through um, what's going on in the interest rate market and in the credit market. Um, and I know we're going to get a lot of great questions from our listeners um, on what's going on with, uh, with interest rates. Thanks, Katie. You know, it's interesting. Many of the investors uh, that are in the marketplace right now have never seen a rising rate environment with high inflation. So you're, to your point, you know, most of the time, central bankers are uh, trying to uh, you know, suppress volatility in order to kind of boost assets uh, and with the end goal of uh, lifting inflation up. That's what we've all lived through for the last decade or so. Uh, but this year, frankly, and it started at the end of last year, 
uh, central banks collectively started to to try to kind of stem uh, inflation uh, that was at first supposed to be transitory. And now uh, that does not seem to be the case. So, you know, like Chris uh, and Carl have said, they're making a choice. They're going to try to uh, fight inflation. And to do that, you have to kind of uh, raise interest rates. And that's going to challenge both fixed income and, and equity prices, as Chris alluded to. Um, so what we're seeing in the fixed income market right now is um, a lot of uh, uncertainty, as we would expect. Um, high yield spreads, for example, in the U.S. are above 500 basis points. Uh, you know, investment grade, you know, around 150. Uh, we see what's happening in Europe. Uh, this morning, I saw that CDS uh, swaps, so that's protection against uh, European investment grade, are at levels uh, uh, last seen since the height of the pandemic. Um, so we're, what we're seeing in fixed income markets is a reflection of not just the Fed, but other central banks um, trying to do their best to uh, tighten financial conditions uh, in the name of, of taming inflation. Um, and from our perspective, we see that this uncertainty, frankly, going on for another few months. Um, Chris is right. You know, everyone in the market is looking at the labor market for signs that it's weakening a little bit. That's one of the things that Chair Powell indicated uh, that he would be looking for to see that, you know, what they're doing is starting to weigh on demand, which should should uh, help alleviate inflation. Um, but also, as Carl alluded to, we need to see some of the weakness that we already see in some of the housing data actually flow through to some of the inflation indicators. Uh, one of the hard parts right now that's causing this uncertainty is that, um, you know, the Fed is, is not a very good forecaster uh, in the first place. Frankly, they'll, they'll readily admit that. Um, and in times when you're calibrating policy based on forward looking expectations, um, you know, they can rely on those forecasts. But right now, Chair Powell and other central bankers have said we really need to see real time inflation come down. So that's going to take a little while. Um, and until that happens, there's going to be some some. Uh, continued uncertainty. But from our perspective, we're starting to see some valuations, and I think as, as Chris alluded to, there's some, still some challenges, for example, in, in non-U.S. Uh, equity markets, uh, emerging markets, of course. Uh, but we are starting to see some pockets of value. Uh, so we're actually overweight, a little bit of high yield, um, and underweight investment grade. As you know, investment grade is a little more sensitive to duration uh, and the rates moving higher. Uh, and while you are right, a lot has been priced in we think there's still a little bit of upside risks to um, to Fed funds and Fed policy uh, because they really need to be sure they've got inflation under control. Their worst nightmare, it has not happened yet, is if inflation expectations start to get out of hand. And then that will just make them have to do even more uh, and, and increase the probability of, of uh, a recession and perhaps a deep one. Uh, and they, they are trying desperately to avoid that. And so far, they have inflation expectations have remained uh, pretty contained. And as you see this kind of volatility in these big markets like car global currency markets, these deep and liquid markets like global sovereign debt markets, do you start to worry about this being sort of a canary in, a coal, in the coal mine of, of more global systemic risks such as we've seen in the past and that has, you know, um, come before financial crises? You know, it's, it's a great question. I think one of the things that gives me a little bit of comfort around that, at least for the U.S., is what Carl alluded to earlier. Um, unlike other times when we've gone into kind of periods of systemic risk, you know, both households and corporations are in pretty good shape from a balance sheet perspective, from a maturing debt perspective, so they can kind of weather the storm without having to kind of raise additional financing. Um, so that that actually is, is comforting. Although I will tell you, when currency markets uh, start to move as much as they are, 
we do start to see kind of cracks in, in, you know, in emerging markets in Europe, for example. Um, so that is, that is of a, of a concern, you know, uh, to me, I think that, um, it's, it's a really tough situation where you're actually starting to see, um, kind of everything from political gain, political kind of decisions to try to, um, support economy, support labor and the like. And it's really a little bit fragmenting, frankly, um, Earlier in the day, I mentioned I was at the conference, you know, we're moving from a, a world of globalization to kind of uh, more fragmentation, I would say. So that, that causes some more volatility and uncertainty uh, when dealing with a crisis like this. Um, so, again, in the U.S., I think we're, we're much uh, more equipped to kind of weather the storm. Uh, and therefore, some of the asset prices moves we've seen are actually opportunities. Um, but I would say that, you know, in some other parts of the world, there's a little more risk, uh, from, in my opinion. Thanks, Tim. Let's pull Chris in. Tim, you mentioned uh, FX and, and currency, and we have gotten a bunch of questions about how the gyrations in the currency market might impact corporate earnings. Um, but Chris, I want to start with the most basic question and the most uh, popular question we've gotten, which is, where's the bottom in the market? And as you start to think through what some what the fact pattern has to look like to see confidently um, a market bottom. People have talked about, you know, the dollar has to stabilize, rates have to stop rising, the Fed has to stop hiking. Um, what are you looking for um, in the equity market in particular to signal that we're maybe past the worst? Well, at the end of the day, as you know, what drives long-term returns for equities is the fundamentals. And so you have the the earnings picture, which is going to be critical as we think about the future. Now, so much of that is dependent on the path of the economy, which is dependent upon what the Fed has to do in response to inflation. So really, it does all tie back to inflation, and I expect investors are going to be predominantly focused on that trajectory in order to get a sense for what is the monetary degree of tightening that is necessary in order to achieve the Fed's outcomes, and then try to translate that into some type of economic uh, reality and, and then and by extension, corporate profits. So when we think about the, the, the catalyst, it's probably not dissimilar from what we saw in June, where we finally found a footing for the equity market and you started to see some, some appreciation from there, which was that, we, that, the line, that the end was in sight in the context of where the Fed is ultimately going to go. So we've talked about 4.5% as being kind of a potential terminal rate uh, for the Fed. If there's an increasing degree of confidence around that number, then I think that will that in the next few months ought to offer some reprieve in the context of just this downward bias to equities, particularly if we have a better sense as to what the economic implications of that are. We've talked about the health of corporations and consumers. And when you listen to Bank of America or Visa and they talk about the aggregate consumer spending numbers and what those look like, they're still pretty robust. And we're talking 10 or 11 percent year over year growth in consumer spending on credit cards and debit cards and so forth, which is not consistent with a consumer that's dramatically pulling back. And with 70 percent of the economy tying back to consumer behavior, clearly the Fed has some work to do in the context of getting things uh, to slow down. So, you know, there is less sensitivity in the economy to very short term rates, given that there's very little variable debt on the part of consumer balance sheets. Most corporations have termed out their debt, uh, given the very low and flat yield curve that we've had for a long time. So the Fed has a difficult set of tools to use in order to try to cool the economy, which has been doing quite well. So you could argue that that's 
a positive in that it creates more underlying stability in the economy. But it also means that the Fed has a harder job of accomplishing what it's trying to do. And ultimately, we know that the Fed has to be successful before they're going to back off. So, again, it really ties back to inflation as being kind of that critical indicator. And if we start to see a leveling off of some of those core inflation numbers and start to see that services number hook lower, then I think that's going to provide a lot of comfort to the market. But unfortunately, it's going to take a little bit of time to get there. And just just to be clear, when you say termed out, what you mean is companies took advantage of the low rates a year or so ago and were able to refinance at those low rates so that the the risk of them having to roll their debt over it right now at these higher rates is, is much, much lower. Um, and that's a huge positive. Carl, I'm going to hand this one to you. This is an interesting question. Um, you noted that Fed policy acts with long and variable legs. We know the Fed is looking at whether it's PCE inflation or CPI inflation, the Fed and Powell often notes um, the unemployment rate. These are all lagging indicators. Um, so the question is, is there a flaw in the Fed's decision-making process here and an over-reliance on lagging indicators, knowing that the impact of the incredible amount of tightening, 300 basis points in six months of, tight, uh, of, of increases in, in Fed funds this year, we won't feel that until next year. Um, so what, what do you think about the, the decision-making process um, at the Fed? Katie, that's a very fair point, and it's always been so. Perhaps a difference between what we're going through now and in the past is that in the past, having worked at the Fed, I know they felt like they had reasonable algorithms or models or projection methods that could look forward and anticipate where inflation and unemployment were going. Today, I don't get the sense that they have that firm feeling. Many of the rules of thumb, including money supply, Phillips curves, output gaps, none of them has been particularly valuable over the course of the last 10 years. And part of that is that we're in a global economy where those variables have to be looked at uh, on a worldwide basis instead of just locally. And part of it is that I think the pandemic has produced some lasting changes of paradigm that we still have not been able to factor into our projection methods. And so as all of us in the private sector and uh, on central banking look forward, uh, where the instruments are a little bit foggy, the runway is not really clear where it is. And so we're trying to, you know, get the throttle just right to make a three-point landing. And obviously that's going to be very difficult to do. But as I look at inflation, and we have to look at it from a lot of different directions, everybody, from a top-down basis, the money supply is clearly not going to grow as quickly. In fact, in many scenarios, it, it might be flat or slightly down over the course of the next 12 months, and that will certainly put a, a limiter on inflation. If you do the bottoms-up perspective, Katie, and you and I have talked about this in some of our regular calls, uh, food and energy are probably going to be a dividend for inflation. They're going to be helpful. Uh, supply chain healing is also going to be helpful. On the other side, we do have the issue with the housing prices. Uh, those are going to be problematic for another 6 to 12 months before tapering off. And really the wild card is what happens with the labor market and the prices of all the services that use that labor. Our conjecture is, is that, it, and we're beginning to see the very early signs of this, that the demand for labor will begin to taper off. The Fed has made that its first target. And if that happens, then first, you will get uh, the wage demands moderating. 
And if inflation comes down, we have a much less, a lower likelihood of a wage and price spiral or feedback loop that we had 45 years ago that became very, very difficult to unearth. So if you want to take a, a glasses half full look at inflation, that would be the scenario that would be most pleasing to markets. I want to thank all of our panelists. Thank you, Carl, as always. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much, Tim. I want to thank our audience for these wonderful questions. I want to thank you for your trust in Northern Trust, and I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Subscribe to Market Currents from your favorite podcast app to be automatically notified of new episodes. This audio podcast is being provided for informational and educational purposes only and is not meant to be taken as investment advice or a recommendation of any specific investment product or strategy. The information does not take your financial situation, investment objective, or risk tolerance into consideration. Listeners, including professionals, should under no circumstances rely upon this information as a substitute for their own research or for obtaining specific legal, investment, accounting, or tax advice from their own counsel.